And a very happy new year to all. We are back with another episode of Stuff That Matters. We kick off 2024 with Erica Reed. She's currently the Senior Director of Program Implementation at Friends of the Children. For those of you who don't know, Friends of the Children is a national nonprofit organization that selects and invites youth of all whom have unique talents, interests, and dreams and face multiple systemic obstacles to be paired with a paid professional mentor, or in this case, a friend. They hire and train friends to support youth from ages as early as four, all the way throughout their high school graduation. We picked Erica's brain and dove into everything that friend stands for, touching on how families receive the services that they provide, the multiple step interview process, and what qualities are identified when looking for ideal candidates. We also get into some of the unique and, and rather impressive partnerships, such as the work that they do with Olympic gold medalist and one of the most decorated gymnasts of all time, Simone Biles. Erica shared with us her excitement on the current state of things as she travels the country to all the different Friends of the Children hubs, and you can clearly see and hear her passion throughout this interview. So without further ado, let's get 2024 started with Erica Reed. We usher in a new year with our first episode of 2024. We have on Erica Reed. She's currently the Senior Director of Program Implementation at Friends of the Children, as you can see by her, her, her shirt. Erica, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. All right, Erica. So let's start with just a little bit about um, who you are, and then we'll get into Friends of the Children and kind of who you are, what you do, and then we'll do the Friends story. Yeah, uh, so I am Erica Reed. Uh, I, uh, as Patrick mentioned, I'm the Senior Director of Program Implementation at Friends of the Children. Um, kind of beyond that, I believe I am Auntie of the Year. So yeah. I, my, <laughs> my niece and my nephews. Uh, uh, so that is definitely my my most proud uh, hat that I wear. Um, but I, I do, uh, I'm very involved in in my church. I'm involved uh, with my sorority um, and just really supporting uh, children and families in my personal and my professional life. Um, I kind of got started, I guess, if you will, uh, really early working with uh, children. Even as a child, I was working with children. Uh, so like in high school, I'm volunteering at 4-H clubs and, and things like that, uh, just because I was just drawn to uh, working with uh, young young people, um, but went off to uh, a college and, and continued that trajectory. Um, and so uh, my bachelor's degree is in family and community services uh, with a concentration in early intervention. Um, and then my uh, master's degree is in um, uh, education also. Uh, and so um, and it's a mouthful, so uh, I, I'm not going to mention all of that, but um, education is what I do, uh, and I believe you can do that formally, but informally also, uh, and so just working with children and families has just always been a passion of mine. Yeah, so so I know a little bit about Friends of the Children. I don't, Mike, I don't think you're familiar with it, and I think a lot of our listeners might not be familiar with it, because unfortunately... You know, our space at New Hope is, you know, the high end um, or way, way, way downstream mental health 
adolescents who've been through the system for years and who have unsuccessfully been through the system and now they're being you know referred for institutional care and residential care and so we're at that far far end of the spectrum and you are at the far far end of the other side of the spectrum um and i think these two worlds need to hang out a lot more together because i think we can learn a lot from each other so why don't you just you know share what friends of the children is broadly and then we'll just start digging in a little bit Absolutely. I'm happy to talk about Friends of the Children. Uh, so Friends of the Children is a long-term mentoring organization. And so we pair uh, youth facing the greatest uh, challenges or most obstacles. We pair them with a professional mentor. So this is their full-time job is to support uh, youth um, from uh, kindergarten through high school graduation. So 12 plus years our youth are paired with a professional mentor who's devoted to supporting them through every milestone. Um, we, uh, as you can see on my shirt, <laughs> are celebrating 30 years. Uh, and so uh, in 1993, we started with three friends is what we call them, our mentors, we call them friends. We started with three friends and 24 youth in Portland, Oregon. Um, and now we have expanded to 36 locations and we're serving thousands of youth and families across the country. Um, and, and just, I'm, I'm really excited about the work that we do. Again, as Matt mentioned, it's more on the preventative side of things, right? We want to um, break the cycle um, of uh, generational poverty. We want to have some generational change. Um, we do that through our two-gen work. Um, we also uh, just really, uh, we also, I, I Fail to mention our long-term outcomes of uh, avoiding uh, early parenting, uh, so waiting until after their teen years to become a parent. Also, we want them to uh, receive a diploma or a, a GED. And then also, um, so uh, the third one uh, being, um, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> so okay. Uh, so we're going to um, the first juvenile justice involvement, right? Yes, juvenile. Yes. Thank you. Sorry. Uh, so juvenile justice involvement, we're making sure that they are not involved um, in any way. And the really cool thing is 92 percent of our youth go on to what we call the three E's. So employment, enlistment or uh, uh, enrollment. So really mm -hmm. excited about that. <clears throat> that's that's really cool stuff. And. I got to I got to tell you so I'm a dad of 3 this will make sense in a minute I'm a dad of 3 and I have a a, a daughter who's in 6th grade and when you described yourself and we'll, and I want to get back to friends of the children but when you described yourself as even when you were a kid you were taking care of kids you remind me of my 6 year old or my 6th grade daughter her name's Erin Erin uh 6th grader you know she's a soon to be a teenager and for the for her life, for the 12 years she's been on the planet, she's always wanted to be a babysitter, right? Like when you're a little kid and you ask, if you asked me when I was five, I wanted to be a professional baseball player or a truck driver, those two things. Neither one came true, right? But <laughs> but when you ask Erin, as soon as she could talk, she wanted to be a babysitter, right? And that really has not wavered. In sixth grade, it's a little bit more ambitious. She wants to work with kids. She knows that. And my face lights up because uh, we had a new family move in our neighborhood a couple doors down and they have a, uh, like a 
one year old and like an 18, 20 month old, almost two year old child. And Aaron's Aaron became just there wasn't there weren't little kids around in our neighborhood. And she now goes over there every day after school and she helps that that mom wa watch the kids. And it's just it, it's in her. Right. There's there's no way other to describe it. When you described yourself as such, I was like. Oh wow, Erica and my daughter Erin, two E's out of three, right? Uh, so anyway, I, I've been jumping out of my seat just to throw that in there a oh, little sweet. bit, and and I hope one day she she grows into doing work that you do because you can see it already at her young age. I love that, and and you, it can't be taught, right? It has to be in you uh, when you work with uh, young children. So I love that for Erin. That's awesome. That's awesome. So. so, so Dovetailing okay. that, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you guys off, but dovetailing that, how does Friends of the Children find their professional mentors? How do you how do you go about that process? That is a great question, and it's pretty intense. So uh, get ready. So we actually have a very uh, extensive uh, in, uh, interview process for our mentors. They go through four interviews. So the first interview is actually like a phone screening and we're making sure that they meet the basic qualifications of, of serving uh, children and families um, in need um, and that they have that experience. Uh, the second round uh, is an interview with the program director and it's really diving into trauma-informed practices and culturally informed uh, and culturally sensitive work, uh, making sure that they are able to serve our families uh, appropriately and, and able to meet their needs and, and just be familiar with some of the things that they may uh, encounter uh, when working uh, with our communities. The third round is the panel interview, uh, and they uh, they are uh, paired with the program director, maybe one of the other friends, the executive director, and they're having a deeper conversation with some hypothetical situations that they may uh, face, um, and how would they handle those different situations. And the fourth and final, probably the most important round, um, is what we call the child interaction. And so this is kind of a working interview where they actually uh, do an activity. They're having a conversation with a youth around the same age that they'll be serving just to see if, if they're having some child-led conversations. Are they open-ended questions? Um, how do they react if a child is you know, hesitant to engage with them? Uh, do they take it personally? Do they take it as a challenge? Um, and so they go through those four rounds of interviews. We also have criminal background checks. We um, we do a number of things to make sure, oh, and their driving record because they do transport youth. Uh, and so we're just making sure that they are the perfect fit. And if they usually make it through four rounds, then typically we we recognize that they are here for the long haul because we, we want our friends to uh, support our families long term. Again, we're supporting our families for 12 plus years, no matter what. And so we're asking that our friends, um, you know, agree to serving three to five years, right? Because we know if they have a revolving door of people coming in and out their lives, it's going to cause more harm. So we really want people who are committed um, and dedicated to to serving. And so we, we kind of ask for them to see themselves in this role for some time. Yeah, you know, and so Eric, I'll say I'm familiar with friends, you know, we worked together several years ago, and so I can get really excited about the program. And obviously, you are one of my favorite people in this space. And so I love, you know, I love how you now have a national impact within that 
organization. So I'm, I want to call out some cool things about friends. Tell me if any of them aren't true, but I think they are. So because, again, you know, I think um, mentoring, you know, kind of mentoring historically, and I'm, I'm not disparaging other mentoring organizations, but mentoring historically is kind of people's side gig, right? If it's kind of like boys, you know, boys and girls club, you kind of go over there after school, a couple days a week, maybe hit or miss, you go that for a couple months, you know, maybe there's some long-term volunteers, maybe there's not. And that's great. I think that's a supplement. Like it's the more positive adults that are in kids' lives is a good thing. I think where friends differentiated itself is said, no, this is going to be kind of your forever person for the key parts of your developmental life, basically from five, you know, age five to 18, as the world is changing. And as you, and again, these are the kids who the, the kids that friends leans into are the kids who are statistically most likely to have challenges later in life. Right. So this is not the worried. Well, this is actually, you guys go into schools and say, you first of you, you go into cities and say, what's your hardest school. And then I think you go into schools and say, what's your hardest classroom. You go into classrooms and say, who are your, and I, you know, hardest, but like your most potentially at risk kids and let's dive into their life and be a stable force for 12 years and let's pay that person. So this is their job. This is not their side gig. This is not what they do to give back. This is actually their professional identity. Do I have that right? As those are kind of like the big, that's what makes friends pretty different. Absolutely. So we uh, actually uh, enroll youth as young as four now. So between four and six years old is when we'll enroll them. And they uh, their mentor actually devotes four hours of service to them per week. So each mentor or friend has a roster of eight youth, and they give each of those youth four hours a week. Um of time. And so two of those hours are in the classroom or school setting. So they're sitting with that child who's, you know, withdrawn and doesn't talk to their friends at cafeteria, right? And they're encouraging them to talk or they're helping them focus in the classroom on the content that the teacher is delivering. Um, and then the other two hours is in the uh, youth's home or in their community. So you'll see them at the library or a park or a museum, uh, baseball game. Um, it's a number of um, things just even in their community that a lot of times our youth have not had an opportunity to explore even within their own city. Um, and so it's it's really nice that our friends are able to uh, share those uh, experiences with them. Now, Erica, getting uh, to the mentors specifically, you touched on the the rigorous multiple step interview process. Uh, what are some of the qualities and characteristics that you guys look for in the mentors when you know selecting the the, the most ideal candidates? Oh, that's a good question. We want someone who's resilient. <laughs> we definitely want someone who is uh, driven just by, um, you know, the work. Um, you cannot get easily discouraged um, and, and be a great mentor or a great friend. Um, and so recognizing that our families may initially resist your presence a little bit, right? Because they're typically involved in a number of systems. Um, and we want to make sure that they recognize that, hey, we're not part of the system. We're part of your maybe extended family in a way, right? We're here mm -hmm. to support you. We want the best for you. We really want you to feel successful um, in your role as a parent. And then we also want the youth to be successful as well. Um, so definitely resilient, motivated, and de uh, dedicated, um, and experienced. We actually really value lived experience with our mentors. So in a lot of cases, our, our friends or our mentors 
are actually from the same communities. They uh, experience some of the same uh, uh, traumas, but they've healed from those traumas, right? And they want to help the next generation overcome those same things. Um, so it, it's hard to say exactly, uh, Patrick. Uh, I mean, there's, of course, you know, the educational requirements and the uh, work experience, um, mm -hmm. but it kind of goes beyond that, too. That's interesting. When I when I moved to North Carolina in 98, I signed up to be a mentor through a different organization. And uh, and I'd always worked with kids and families. So I had some experience kind of professionally, but this was just the side gig. Right. I was I don't even remember what uh, time commitment I gave, but I think it was like an hour a week. Right. And um probably it feels like I'm doing a therapy session here, but I look back on it now and I spent like two years with this young man and I think, God, what was I, that, that was kind of like a flash in the pan. I wonder what that child thought of my interaction with mm -hmm. him for like an hour a week. I'd go to school, we'd shoot hoops or we'd throw the ball or we'd do something. I'd talk. And I look back at it now. I'm like, I wonder if I had any impact. I'm sure there was some, but I wonder what that kid was thinking, you know, at the time, like, who's this dude, you know, you know, coming in in his checkered shirt to throw the ball with me during class time. I'm sure I, 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 I now think out loud and question, like, I wonder if there was a good impact there. I'm sure there had to have been some, but not as valuable as what you guys are offering. And like, I, please don't underestimate your impact on that youth. Um, and so we, we know that, even if it's a small portion of, of time, it's going to have a positive impact. Just as Matt said earlier, the more the merrier, right? If you have caring adults in your life, they recognize that and they appreciate that. And you don't know necessarily what that uh, young man was going through in his life at that time. And so I'm sure you made an incredible impact on him. Um, I do believe uh, what makes us really different is just that Number one, that 12 plus year commitment, but then also just having that uh, ability to really serve and, and dive deeper. Um, so as I mentioned earlier, I'm an educator, right? And so a lot of times I would have these youth in my classroom and I love on them for a year and then they go off and you wonder what happened to so-and-so. I would love to know what happened to, uh, to them. How's their family and all of that. Um, the beauty of Friends of the Children is that we're there for 12 plus years. So we don't have to wonder, right? We have that uh, that luxury of being involved in their life from year to year, from milestone to milestone. We, we see them from tying their shoes and learning to ride a bike to going on their first date and having their first job interview uh, to applying to college and, and then um, things that come all, come along in between that. So it's really uh, a beautiful uh, position to be in that we actually get to be a part of that journey with, with them and their family. Oh, that's awesome. Mike, it wasn't the same checkered shirt that you're wearing right now. <laughs> it might have been. Okay, all right, gotcha. <laughs> it might have been. I think I've seen um, that one before. So it, it, it might <laughs> New hope, our name, our promise. Founded in 1987 by Dr. George Orvin, New Hope has been a beacon of hope and healing for youth across the country for decades. 
and is committed to expanding our impact across the Carolinas and beyond. At our flagship 150-bed treatment facility in Rock Hill, South Carolina, we provide 24-7 residential behavioral health care to male and female youth with significant mental health challenges. Our team of behavioral health care experts deliver comprehensive care in a safe and structured environment. When a youth enters our care, they are often at the lowest point in their life. They've endured years of trauma and rejection. They have accepted a narrative that their life is hopeless, that they are destined to repeat a cycle of despair. That's where we come in. We are here to provide new hope to every youth in our care. New hope through therapy that breaks down walls and builds up their self-worth. New hope through teachers and education tailored to their unique needs. New hope through round-the-clock medical staff ensuring their physical health. New hope through recreation, play, and new experiences that develop life skills. And new hope through the healing power of positive relationships with every one of our team members. We break cycles. We rewrite life stories. It's our name. It's our promise. We are New Hope. No, so, yeah, Erica, maybe tell on that, you know, I, there's a lot of different directions I'd want to go. Again, Friends is just, it's so different than the world I I swim in in my kind of insurance-based, you got to have a, you know, here's a, there, there's got to be a tangible problem, a tangible solution to get reimbursed for it. It's a, it's the medical model, right? Like there has to be something, it's got to be like an illness that we're targeting with an intervention. And this is more just, let's do life together. And also I think it starts more on a, um, where I think what I, what I love about friends is I feel like 20 years from now when it's everywhere and we look back at how we kind of did some of this stuff, we'll be like, man, what, what were we, what were we doing? Cause there's a lot of population health science, I think that kind of goes into friends. It's not that um, it's not that life doesn't have, you know, a bunch of curveballs to it, but we know things like ACEs and we know things like social determinants of health and we know, you know, different risk factors. Um, shape people's journey so like I, I i always bang my head against the walls like why do we keep waiting for kids to turn 11 and have behavioral challenges to to get some intervention and support for this family because we're, we're seven years late at that point so i just love that friends you know um kind of uses data to say this is this is a group of kids who are most likely going to need that extra support to be successful and i don't I don't know. I think there's sometimes people get uncomfortable with saying that because I don't know if people, I don't know why, I'm not sure exactly why. I just think the data is the, the data and the risk factors are the risk factors. And um, so let's like the prevention aspect of it is just so good. And obviously from a human standpoint, it's good, but also from a financial standpoint, it's good. You know, like, I mean, like downstream services, like the new hopes of the world, we're we're very expensive service at that point we're an expensive service that's not guaranteed to work at that point um can you talk about some of that even some of the financial like return on investment because i'm sure you you have to have that conversation with funders and businesses who might be interested in leaning in and, and it can't be all hard some of it's got to be hey right. this is why you should spend your dollars here and not there absolutely and I, i'm so glad you asked that question matt um 
So uh, first off, I will say that uh, with Friends of the Children, we have a uh, return on investment uh, for every dollar uh, seven is put back into the community. Um, and so a uh, really great study that we had conducted um, with Harvard. Um, and so, yes, there is a, um, a fiscal, um, you know, a great financial piece return. that goes to it. Yep. But uh, as far as the social impl implications that you were talking about, Matt, um, a lot of our families, again, um, I mentioned earlier, our caregivers, the, the parents and the grandparents and uh, that really we work with in our program, they've already gone through several things themselves, right? So when you were talking about the prevention aspect of things, again, a lot of our youth have very high ACE scores. And that's something um, when I started working with Friends of the Children six years ago, um, that was one of the first things that I noticed um, were the high scores. I know the first cohort of youth that I brought into the program one of the youth had a seven. So seven out of 10 um, applied to this four-year-old or five-year-old at the time, which is so disturbing, right? Um, and and just to think, uh, you know, the, the, the trajectory that this child may, um, the, the other three may happen, right? And you don't necessarily want to think it, of it that way. But if they already have a seven at the age of five, you know, red flags kind of go up and you're concerned. And so how can we get ahead of this where right now it's not necessarily showing that it's affecting this child, but we know that it will um, eventually. Um, and so having a mentor to number one, work with the child in the classroom setting and in the community and home is important, but we have to work collaboratively with our caregivers. That's the only way that we're going to make sure that this is successful is that we're thought partners it's no competition. We're really working alongside them um, through this journey um, and really supporting them too through their own uh, traumas that the caregivers are um, experiencing. So uh, do we need to make referrals uh, to uh, therapy services? Um, do we need to you know, connect you with um, a food pantry down the street or whatever it may be? There are just so many needs um, that the families are uh, really uh, experiencing that we really try to stay ahead of with our two-gen approach or our two-generational model, uh, just making sure that the entire family is uh, served and taken care of. Um, but definitely the prevention piece is important, which makes us really unique in that we're serving four to six-year-olds. Um, Mike, you were talking about a lot of the other mentoring organizations that typically starts at middle school. And middle it's school. not saying that that doesn't have a great impact, but sometimes you're wondering, what if I would have gotten to them five years earlier? Um, right. Would they be in the same predicament now? where they don't have to be referred to like a new hope later on, right? So we're hoping that catching them early um, between that four and six uh, kind of stage and working life and navigating life with them, um, that we can uh, avoid having to go um, receive other services. And so, yeah, it's a good refresh. You know, I think in some ways we, we've been saying the word prevention, but it's probably more early intervention is probably more accurate because... Like you said, by the time that even Friends comes along for a lot of these kids, they've already right. seen domestic violence. They've already grown up around potentially drugs and alcohol and community violence and just a lot of. So they've already had a lot of things. 
kids are just so dang adaptable and resilient that that stuff doesn't manifest usually until you start getting deep into school and then the school behaviors start. And that's usually the first counseling appointment usually comes from school behavior. Like that's the first therapy appointment. And to your, to your point, that's usually kind of deep into elementary school. And then that you're four years into potentially experiencing some of this daily challenge. And then to your point, it's also most of these kids are um, multi-generational, you know, kids who are, are struggling, you know, the, the, that family tree has struggled with, these various things for a while. So it's not necessarily prevention. It's just identifying, hey, we know that without support, this outcome is most likely. So let's just get the support as early as humanly possible. It just seems to make so much sense. But again, our kind of um, on the insurance side, on the medical model, they have to wait for the problem to actually show up. And that it's all reactive. It's all reactive. So... Can I can I um, <clears throat> jump in with a question? You had mentioned to Erica about collaboration with the families, and one of the things that our team—I'm very proud of our team—even though we're the higher that higher level of care, we've really in the last year or two tried to focus on collaborative approach with the family, right? And sometimes there's resistance to be candid, right? Families don't want us to work in their home, or you know, they, they might be thinking that the 16-year-old the with aggressive behaviors is the issue and maybe not the family system, right? So they're a little bit resistant to New Hope kind of working collaboratively. Can you talk a little bit about families, um, how they receive this service, how, how buy-ins achieved, that sort of thing? I'll be happy to. Um, you know, you have to be a value add to a family, right? They have a lot that they're juggling from work to multiple people in their home to paying bills. How are you going to help me, right? I don't want you to be a hindrance. Um, and so when we're enrolling families, um, so first I would like to say, I've never had a family tell me no. <laughs> so I'm excited right. about that. I, um, you know, in all honesty, I, I, I wouldn't have expected that. I think that's awesome. Like I was thinking, I'm sure there are families who are like, no, thank you. But there that, are. So go ahead. I'll stop talking. But that's no, you're awesome. fine. Uh, generally speaking, there are. Um, but Not if Erica's involved. If Erica's involved, they don't say no. <laughs> I think that's what's happening. I I think I think because I like to hear from the families first, right? Um, and having a conversation with them, getting to know them, um, what they're experiencing, and then from there figure out how we can add to their family. So if they say, my child is really struggling in school but with behavior, but I'm not able to get out there during the day because I'm working. Okay, well, um, one thing that the friends do, we really connect the school and the home environments, right? We're kind of a liaison, if you will. And so they're in the classroom, they can uh, connect with the teachers and really um, hone in on some of those issues that you're not able to be present for. And we can re uh, reply back to you and let you know what's going on, right? The next family may say, I'm just so tired. I never have time alone. Um, I'm, I'm exhausted. A lot of people come into my house and blah, blah, blah. You can right. frame the conversation by saying, well, the beauty of it, you know, 
two hours every Tuesday at three o'clock, you're going to get some alone time, right? Because the friend is going to take the youth out on an outing every Tuesday at three. So you can count on that time to get your grocery shopping done. You can use that time to take a bubble bath. You can use that time to take a nap, whatever it may be. So selling the that, That's Matt's time. bubble bath time, I think, Tuesdays at three. Every Tuesday at three. It's in the Outlook calendar, yes. <laughs> but if you can really frame the conversation, and, and, and it's not that we're tailoring the program, right? We do this for all of our families. But if you're communicating with them how you're going to support and how you're going to add to they're all already chaotic life and you're going to just really support them through that. I think, I think they're more willing and uh, open to that. Um, also, I will say um, we're, I know I mentioned earlier that we're not a part of the system, right? So a lot of times if, uh, so we have three ways that we uh, enroll families. We, we work with schools, we work with our child welfare organizations, and then we work with community partners. Um, when we work with child welfare, a lot of times families are like, I don't want to work with you. I don't want another group in my um, house and that sort of thing. So we have to make sure that they understand when that social worker is no longer uh, assigned to your family and your case is closed, we'll still be here, right? Um, we, we're here for 12 plus years, no matter what. And we really mean that. Um, and so we're not... Um, only going to uh, serve you for this a short amount of time. It's going to be an extended amount of time. We're going to really help you uh, navigate all of these systems, whether it's child welfare, the school system. We know the school system have all kinds of acronyms and, and meetings and things that you don't quite understand. How can we help you understand all of those things? Um, and so we're just, we're working through life with the caregivers as well. Awesome. I love that. Again, I think my, you know, my love for friends also comes from my like frustration and disdain for like the insurance based insurance. Cause again, it's not about, I'm not hearing any words that are about like speed or like, let's get this done as fast as possible. I mean, it really, and, and it, although I know you guys follow a model yeah. so much of your time, I'm assuming in the first several months or even several years is just joining and collaborating with the family and getting that buy-in. And so, yeah, how can I, how can I help you? You want me to bring your grocery? Like, I love that the your first sentence there was just, you got to be a value add. If you're not a value add. What are we doing? Like, what are we doing? And I think sometimes professionals, in-home professionals or social work professional type people, we think just by our nature, we're going to be a value add. And it's like, no, no you got to bring something, I think, tangible to the game here. Because um, they're not here to make us feel good about ourselves. as Like these families and kids are not here to make us just feel like we checked off a box that we did something good that day. Like they don't have time for that crap. Like it's gotta be something real um, and something authentic. Um, so I, I love that. And I, I'm, again, I think we're, you know, in your role, I'm assuming you're traveling all over the country, basically just trying to coach and mentor professionals on how to, how to do that, how to approach these families. Yeah. 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 Um, you, you made a good point too, Matt. Um, I do want to mention too, that, you know, we're working through life with our families. Um, if they recognize that we're truly here for the long haul, um, I, I think they they really get it. Um, like, so that if, if I'm so working- They probably, probably don't believe right away because I'm sure a lot of people have told exactly. them that. Like, yeah, okay, well, yeah, you were, okay. you turned, I've had five social workers in six months. Um, they all said that they're going to be here for a long time. 
That's right. And and you were talking about how in the beginning, um, it's really about just kind of getting their trust, gaining their trust. And so even in the first, we have it part of our model, first six months, we're not talking to the youth about um, goal setting, even though that's something that we do at Friends of the Children. We we have smart goals for our youth. Yes, we do. Um, we do have that. But the first six months, we're strictly focused on relationship building. Relationship building. I want you to know that I'm going to keep showing up. You can curse me out. You can turn away from me when I when I show up. You can walk away from me, but I'm consistently here. I'm going to be here every single week. I'm going to be here every single day in your classroom. Whether you like it or not, I'm not going anywhere. And they're going to test you, right? And that's what, what children do. Um, but uh, just when they start seeing that, oh, they keep showing up. They do care about me. Uh, you know, they're not coming in and out my life as the social workers were and that sort of thing. Um, they're they're with you even through several teachers, right? From year to year, you your teachers change, but your mentor does not. Um, but that's that's really impactful. So that I'm curious what the feedback is from teachers in school systems that you've you you've had programs or um, friends in the classroom. I'm, I'm, I'm very curious. About, can you talk a little bit about that? How the teachers and, and school systems respond? Now that's a great question. We make sure we work very closely with school, uh, with the teachers and the administrators. Um, so we want to be a part of the school culture, right? Um, and so as being in their classrooms, oftentimes it's the principals that invite us to the schools, but it's right. the teachers that we're interacting with on a daily basis. And so we, number one, want to make sure that they know we're not here to observe you. No teacher wants to be observed. Right. <laughs> um, so we make that very clear up front that, hey, I'm here to really help with um, with this youth. And they actually may have more than one youth in that teacher's classroom. Um, but working with the teacher, number one, what's the best time that I can come to your classroom? I don't want to be a disruptor in any way. Um, so do you know uh, if transitions are difficult for your class? I will show up during the transitions to help have another set of eyes, right? Or um, this particular youth that I'm working with, every Monday morning, they're going to have some um, behavior issues because they had a really rough weekend, right? Then I'm going to alter my schedule to make sure I'm in the classroom on Monday mornings to really help focus that child, get them to sit down in their chair and, and listen to the teacher, keep their hands to themselves or whatever it may be. So we're working alongside the teachers as far as scheduling and logistics are concerned, but then we're also connecting to the home because a lot of times teachers, I can't get in touch with the parent. They're not responding to me. They're not you know, putting a message in Dojo or whatever system that they may be using. And they'll, they know that the friend is in the home every week. So oftentimes they'll say, hey, can you tell mom, can you tell dad that I need this paper signed or whatever it may be, um, or that we have a parent-teacher conference coming up. Can you make sure that they know that? So we really work to communicate both um, the home and, and the school. My wife working at New Hope is to provide students with support in the social, emotional and academic aspect of their life. 
My why for being here is because these kids need somebody to hear them and see them. My why is I've been in the communities for so long with the residents, now I get the opportunity to work with the families and meet the families. My why is I like to help. I think I was born with that in my nature, so I like helping. I help everyone in the building, as well as our residents and their families. My why is a because I want to create a safe environment, a comfortable environment for my students to be able to learn and grow. I put smiles on kids' faces that I love seeing every single day. I am at New Hope because this is a place that inspires change for young kids and for adults. I'm here in New Hope working to make a difference in these young girls' and boys' lives, giving them an example of what a role model should be and leading them and guiding them in the right direction. My why for being in New Hope is the residents. I love the kids. It's awesome. My why is seeing the change and the process being made. It's just awesome to see them come in, not want to be here. Then they get here, it's like being a family. I saw on social media recent, or you know, over the last several months, like a lot of Simone Biles promoting Friends of the Children. And obviously Simone Biles is like the most recognized famous Olympian in history or the most decorated Olympian in history, I think, or something. She's my and, best um, friend in my head, Matt. Oh, best friend in your head. Yeah. She's, uh, and so, <laughs> you know, I'm, curious, I'm sure a lot of people don't even know, like, so why is she passionate about friends and what's that relationship like? And um, what was her story? You know, what's, tell about her story a little bit. Oh yeah. I'll be happy to. So I'm actually in Houston now, uh, her home. And she actually helped us uh, get the Houston chapter launched um, because she was so passionate about friends and the children. So Simone, um, as, as you all may know, experienced foster care, her and her sister um, were a part of the system. They were uh, eventually adopted through a group called Depelchen. Um, uh, they, they really helped support um, that adoption process. And so here in Houston, uh, Depelchen um, works with our friends Houston location. Um, and we have a, a huge emphasis on foster youth here in, in Houston, but across the, net, uh, the network or the nation, we have quite a few youth, obviously, who are in care um, because they typically have a lot of um, uh, risk factors in place. Um, and so they typically qualify for Friends of the Children. Um, but Simone was very passionate about the work that we were doing uh, with Friends of the Children, um, and she really wanted to get behind it. Um, and so she uh, really encouraged us to come up with a Houston chapter since this is where she's from. Um, and uh, she really sparked a, a wonderful conversation. We were featured on the Wheaties box that she was uh, a part of uh, this year. She's also uh, right now has a leotard with Friends of the Children logo and a little teddy bear that she's also uh, promoting. Um, and then also in her gym, she has a, a, a banner with Friends of the Children. So she's really all in. She's truly one of our um, wonderful assets, but a great ambassador for Friends of the Children. Oh, that's fantastic. Because you guys also, because um, I think Michael Jordan was involved in the Charlotte area too. Yes. So we've had Michael Jordan, uh, Simone Biles, uh, Sierra and uh, Russell Wilson um, wow. have all been behind Friends of the Children. Yeah. We'll put in a plug for Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey next. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. That would be great. <laughs> Erica, um, in, in your in your story in your time with friends, what's one of the coolest stories that's come out of 
friend? Ooh. Like, what what's one of those ones that just has moved you? That's a great question, Matt. Let me think on that. Um, that was that was my Matthew. Matt just stole it right out of my. I mean, I was going there. Matt took it right out of my mouth. Um. Well, it's not a local story, not local to Charlotte, but uh, within the network, uh, there is a great story of a mentor and uh, uh, a friend and uh, a youth. Uh, his name, the youth's name is Patrick. His uh, mentor's name is Carlos. Um, great story. So uh, Patrick, when he was um, younger, had a lot of struggles. Um and I uh, would get in fights and, and things like that. And his his mentor, Carlos, was there for him for, for many years. Um, uh, Patrick graduated high school. He actually became the first generation um, college student for his family. And when he graduated, he went to, uh, my colleagues are going to get mad at me. I think it's Oregon State. I get all the Oregon mm -hmm. colleges mixed up. But I believe he graduated from uh, Oregon State. Um, but when he graduated, he actually uh, helped write a bill um, for foster youth to go to college for free in Washington State. Um, and that actually passed. Um, and so he's he's doing really wonderful work uh, in Washington State now after he's graduated. So it's really exciting just to see um, the impact that not only Friends of the Children had on him, but now he's using his experience to positively impact the next set of foster youth in Washington State where they could go off to college for free. So that was really cool. Have, have you had, that's an awesome story. Have you had Friends of the Children um, who were once children who were being, who, who were receiving the service? We do. So we have quite a few friends who have come back uh, to serve as a friend themselves. We have uh, friends who, I'm sorry, youth who uh, have become board members. So I believe uh, in Boston, we've had a, a former youth who is now on the board. So they absolutely come back. They definitely do. That's awesome. And I would imagine I could picture if you're involved in a young person's life for 12 years, that connection probably is never lost. Like, like I'm sure 12 years is the expectation, but you know, for an organization that's been around 30 years, you probably have stories of individuals who are still pretty tightly connected to their, you know, still friends. Right. I mean, Absolutely. it's gotta be a lifelong thing. Absolutely. And even with the story of Patrick and Carlos, you know, um, They've, they've both kind of gone their separate ways, but Patrick still says, you know, what would Carlos do in this moment? And he calls him to share, you know, big life moments with him. And, and so even though he's no longer in the program, right, he's an adult now, he's still connected with his mentor as an adult. Oh, that's the best. So, um, you know, Erica, you guys are in basically every major city now across the country. I mean, Detroit, Chicago, Boston, Portland, like all across Texas, yeah. Florida. So um, as you, and you travel your job, you travel around a lot, I think, and visit a lot of sites and start new sites. I'm curious, you know, as you're traveling the country and you're working with these kind of systems and families, do you walk away discouraged or encouraged about the state of things? I think right now it's just easy to find um, stories that make it seem like the world is very bleak right now. And I know people are going through a lot of things, but um, 
Yeah. What's your takeaway as you're like traveling the country? That's a great question. I'm actually excited um, about the potential um, that we can continue to make a, a huge impact in all of these other spaces. Um, as you know, there's a lot of need. There, and if, if I guess in a way I could be discouraged in that, like I wish every child who needed a friend had a friend, right? Um, and unfortunately that's not possible, but what's beautiful is that a lot of uh, our partners across the country um, really believe in our mission and get behind it. Um, and so uh, all of our sites, like right now we're working on uh, Philadelphia um, and I had a really wonderful call yesterday with the school district there, and they are just so collaborative and so helpful, really want to help identify the best schools and, uh, and groups to work with. And so um, I, I leave each city feeling encouraged that they want us there um, and that there is a need there and that we can help maybe um, bridge, you know, that that gap in a way. So I actually leave feeling pretty encouraged. That's awesome. encouraging. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to kick it to Patrick here in a second, but just for our local listeners, like you're in the Charlotte area, right? That there's, there's friends uh, in Charlotte, correct? Yes. What about other Raleigh or not up in the Wake County area yet? Not yet, but that's my personal goal. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would love if we had some more uh, North and South Carolina locations. Um, just, I mean, I'm a, a North Carolinian through and through, grew up in North Carolina, and I definitely believe there's need in, in spaces like Fayetteville, Durham, um, that could really benefit. And then as far as South Carolina, um, I believe Charleston, I just think there's little pockets that could really benefit from Friends of the Children. Um, so hopefully, hopefully soon we'll be there. <clears throat> Erica, for anyone who wants to inquire about becoming a mentor or friend, what is that process like? How can they find uh, friends and, and get started? Oh, that's a good question. So with um, as far as becoming a friend, um, if you have friends of the children in your city, um, you simply apply and go through that process, um, get to know the staff there. Um, if friends of the children is not in your city, and you are interested in bringing it to your city, then definitely reach out to our national team. Um, we are Portland-based, um, so you can uh, go to our website, friendsofthechildren.org, um, and uh, do an inquiry, um, and then we can definitely have a conversation about coming to your space. So uh, we've been peppering you with kind uh, of off-the-cuff questions, and the one that we've actually prepped you with as, uh, the final question here as we wrap up this episode. So, Eric, I'm going to ask you now, and this is a chance for you to kind of encapsulate your your message overall, which I know you, you've been doing for the last 50 minutes or so. Uh, but I'm going to ask you, what is the stuff that matters? I think what matters is long-term impact, right? It's not enough to come in and do a little bit of work and hope that it uh, is enough. So, I think long-term impact is important, however you define impact. Um, I also think youth and family well-being is going to be important. Um, so not only are they feeling safe, are their needs being met? Do they feel happy? Uh, just, you know, not underestimating the uh, importance of, of being happy and, and, and safe. 
Um, early intervention, again, is going to be important. Um, so early and often, you know, can you have uh, little touch points early and can you do it on a regular basis uh, to make, make sure that it leads to that long-term impact that I talked about earlier? Um, and then lastly, uh, I would say um, like a holistic approach or um, really just thinking about the whole child is what we call it in early childhood. So considering the uh, caregivers, considering their environment, thinking about all of those things and how we can support uh, working through different systems together. Well, that's wonderful stuff, no doubt. Yeah, Erica, thanks. So, I mean, I, again, you know, at New Hope, we, you mentioned this, I think, you know, and, and Mike's team actually is the one who reads, you know, our some 500 referrals we get uh, a year, maybe a thousand referrals we get a year. And every one of them, I think that we read, we wonder what could have, you know, what could have been different if things had um, happened earlier or more often in this child's life. And um, we talk often about, you know, we love what we do at New Hope, but we'd also love to not be needed at some point um, to the right. degree that we're needed now. And I truly, truly, truly believe that like organizations like Friends are such a game changer in the space. And I'm hoping that you guys continue to increase your impact and have an influence on our space and have an influence on the insurance space and on kind of the Medicaid space. Because um, again, I love the Simone Biles and the Michael Jordan and the philanthropy of the world. But I think this these things need to they need to live together at some point. And I truly believe like in our lifetime, these things will learn from each other and make each other better. Um, and so I just, I love what you guys are doing. It's phenomenal. Um, love what you're doing and the impact you're having. And just thanks for sharing your story and friends and passion that you do it. And um, we'll keep an eye, we'll just watch what Friends does. I think it's gonna make a massive impact in this country. So, so thank you. Thank you for having me. And thank you too for the work that New Hope does. Oh, yeah. Awesome. awesome. Thanks, Erica. Thanks, Thank Erica. Appreciate it. You can listen to this episode and all episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or you can watch episodes on YouTube. And if you're interested in being a part of the New Hope mission, please visit newhopetreatment.com for more information. Again, that's newhopetreatment.com. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn.